You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. Citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount Plus. Today on the On Enquirer podcast, we preview Illinois at Iowa football with the Big Ten West still mathematically up for grabs. But Iowa can clinch the Big Ten West championship outright and go to the Big Ten championship game with a win over Illinois. They are three to three and a half point favorites, depending on what book you're looking at over the Illini. But obviously Iowa's offense, the injury bug has hit them really, really hard. Uh, And Illinois their late little run here winning three of their last four games including the last two games behind the the magic of john paddock and uh, we'll see if that continues we discussed that joey wagner and i discussed what we expect out of the illinois quarterback position where's brett Bielema going with all of this kind of dancing around this week with some misdirection maybe some misunderstanding of what he said we'll break that all down joey wagner and i have a six pack of questions where we break down what gives us confidence against Iowa for Illinois, what worries us. There's a lot of worries going up against a, a strong Iowa defense and special teams. But we also talk about some other injuries that could impact this game, and we give our picks to click uh, as we wrap this thing up. But first, we're going to get some insight on Iowa, who is 8-2 after all of this. After all of this with Brian Ferris, the drive for 325 that has failed, and uh, their interim athletic director deciding, yeah, we're going to put an end to this and uh, deciding Brian Ferentz will not be back. We talk about that and uh, the impact that that has had on this program and a kind of nice offensive game for them against Rutgers. We get some insight on the Iowa Hawkeyes from David Eichelt, who covers the Iowa for 24-7 sports at Hawkeye Insider. Everything you need to know leading up to this game or everything you're trying to think about, we try to hit on in this Illinois-Iowa preview. We start it with David Eichelt from Hawkeye Insider coming up next on the Illinois Enquirer podcast. This holiday season, you might be looking for nutritious, convenient meals to keep you energized on jam-packed days. Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal delivery service, can help you fuel up fast for breakfast, lunch, and dinner with chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well, and stay on track with a healthy lifestyle while tackling your holiday to-dos. Too busy with holiday plans to cook, but want to make sure you're eating well? With Factor, skip the extra trip to the grocery store and the chopping, prepping, and cleaning up too, while still getting the flavor and nutritional quality you need. Factor's fresh, never frozen meals are ready in just two minutes, so all you have to do is heat and enjoy. 
This holiday season, get Factor and enjoy eating well without the hassle. Simply choose your meals and enjoy fresh, flavor-packed meals delivered right to your door. Ready in just two minutes, no prep, no mess. So head to factormeals.com slash Illini50 and use code Illini50 to get 50% off. That's code Illini50 at factormeals.com slash Illini50 to get 50% off. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Time to get some insight on the Iowa Hawkeyes, who, wouldn't you know it, leading the uh, Big Ten West. I predicted them to win the West, but uh, didn't know if it'd be this way. David Eicholt covers Iowa for 24-7 sports, Hawkeye insider. And, David, before we dive into what Iowa's done this year, uh, what they've done this year is pretty impressive given the injuries they had. And uh, you had the news yesterday, Cooper DeGene, their star corner, star punt returner, their, their top playmaker, I would say, on the team is out for yeah. the season with a leg injury. What is the impact in this game and just the rest of the season without a potential first-round draft pick? Yeah, it's massive. I mean, Jeremy, if you look back to the start of the 2022 season, I believe that Cooper DeGene has the third most touchdowns on the team, and he does not play offense. Uh, he's, I would say, one of the most dynamic uh, players in the country with the ball in his hands. And, of course, I, I think Iowa would have played him on offense in this game as well just to try and throw in – a new wrinkle. So I think this changes things up in all three phases of the game. Now, if you remember last year against Nebraska, Cooper DeGene got hurt on the fourth play of the game. And then Trey Palmer goes for nine catches, 165 yards, two touchdowns. The guys behind him were super young. They got thrown into the fire. So, you know, Isaiah Williams, one of the best wide receivers in, in the big 10, at least he's been really impressive this year. Um, I think Cooper would have been pretty much following him around in this game. Uh, but Deshaun Lee showcased some really, really good ability earlier in the year. He's going to get the start at cornerback, hit 15 tackles, two pass breakups. They really like him as a as a future guy. I think he'll be a, a starter next year and do some really good things as well. So it, it definitely changes things up on the defense. But like you said, I think Cooper DeGene is almost like a folklore because every time he went out there for a punt return or he got the ball in his hands, you hear just the whole Kinnick Stadium go coop, and it was just – it's a really interesting thing. I, I would say he's probably one of the top three most exciting playmakers in the last 20 years at Iowa, maybe since, you know, Tim Dwight, Brad Banks, uh, some of those guys. So I, I think it's a massive loss, um, but I don't think the drop-off is going to be as drastic as last year just because they have a little bit more experience on that back end. But, you know, Illinois' passing attack has yeah. looked uh, pretty impressive here the past couple weeks. Yeah, I got to say, it's making me at least, you know, I, I think I was the favorite coming into this for good reason, but it makes me think of something like Illinois' passing game is pretty good, uh, so they can get the ball out quickly, but I, I think it's such a game changer in special teams, and we know special teams mm -hmm. is such a, a huge advantage for Iowa, so I am interested to see uh, how it changes the game here. But, uh, David, Iowa 8-2, and 5-2 and two in the Big Ten, despite all the offensive issues, despite all the noise around Brian Ferentz. I know it's the Big Ten West, but, but how are they – winning this many games yeah i mean I th again i think this is the worst division in college football history i think it's certainly up there this year right i mean i was the only bowl eligible team at this point but it's just kirk ferentz i mean I, I think the leadership that's been put in place between the players and the coaching staff it's among the strongest it's been 
in the Ferentz tenure, at least according to people I've talked to. I think you need to give a lot of credit to Jay Higgins, a middle linebacker. I mean, taking over for Jack Campbell, who won the Buckus Award last year, who's now going to be a big-time NFL player for the Detroit Lions. Jay Higgins, third most tackles in the country. I believe he has 121 on the season. So far, he's on pace for the Iowa single-season record. I think he's done a nice job. And then Nick Jackson, the Virginia linebacker transfer, has gotten better week after week as well. So I think those guys have held on the middle really, really well. And then Sebastian Castro is another guy who I really think is – been one of the more dynamic players in this defense. It seems like he's all over the field. He can force fumbles. He can, you know, he can pick off a couple passes. He's dangerous on the blitz, and his coverage ability has really, really improved. So while Iowa's defensive line is not as strong as I thought it would be, I, of course, losing Noah Shannon for the year I think is a big deal. Yes, they have experienced defensive tackles, and don't get me started on the Noah Shannon situation. I think there's a lot of uh, opinions I have about that. Uh, but I think Iowa's defensive line gets the job done. And then I think Iowa just does not give up explosive plays. I mean, Iowa's given up 40 yards per play. It's almost as good as last season. I thought they'd be a top 15 defense going into the year. I think they've cemented themselves as a top five defense. I think they've given up one touchdown in the past 16 quarters, three touchdowns in the past 24 quarters, and they've only given up one rushing touchdown this season. So it's just a consistent group. Maybe doesn't have the name recognition outside of Cooper DeGene that past Iowa teams have had. But it's just a very, very solid group. And if there's one thing I've learned, you don't doubt Phil Parker. And I, I think Phil Parker probably deserves to be the Broyles Award winner this year. It's kind of crazy he hasn't won one It is yeah. uh, to this point. And, and then Iowa, I think they just do enough offense. But I know Kirk says it's complimentary football, but it's more so the defense special teams and the offense does just enough. And I mean just enough. Uh, this past weekend, Iowa had 402 yards. It's the first time they've crossed 400 yards in 32 games, Jeremy. I mean, that's... <laughs> Against the good Rutgers defense, <laughs> It really defense is unbelievable. Too, yeah. A good, yeah, that's the other thing. I think, you know, Deacon Hill looked good in that second half. Iowa decided to finally get the ball to Caleb Brown, who I've been kind of screaming from the rooftops for because he's the most athletic guy on that offense, in my opinion. Uh, but the running game, I think the O-line's gotten better week after week, and they have three capable running backs. Uh, but teams are going to stack the box, and I think that's exactly what Illinois should do, stack the box, focus on stopping the run, and force Iowa to complete passes to the outside. Um, and I'd be very surprised if Brett Bielema did not do that this week. All right, defensively, without DeGene, um, Illinois probably will be out without Caden Fagan, uh, who's just a powerful runner as that freshman. Uh, Reggie Love had a good week last week, but this is going to be a, a much bigger task against Iowa than Indiana to run the football. So how do you expect Iowa's defense to attack Illinois whether it's Altmaier or Paddock, I still kind of think it's going to be Paddock, to be honest with you. But um, yeah. what, what do you think? How do they attack uh, the Illinois passing attack especially? Yeah, let me put it this way, too. I don't think Iowa's going to take the bait of Brett Bielema saying that Altmaier's starting. I mean, I, I talked to players on Tuesday who talked to Kirk, and he said they're preparing for both. And you kind of have to, especially when Paddock goes out there and throws for 500 yards, which, by the way, was, I think, 23 less yards than Cade McNamara had all season. <laughs> That's right. Uh, so just putting that into perspective as well. Uh, I'd be so, you know, Phil Parker typically doesn't like to blitz too much. He likes to prevent the big explosive plays. But I think with DeGene out, I'm not going to be surprised if Iowa gets a little bit more aggressive, uh, especially if it's Paddock. Like Paddock made some really good decisions. He's on a heater. But I think Iowa's going to try their best to make him make quick decisions and accurate decisions. So I think, you know, Nick Jackson's a guy I brought up. He's been very good when blitzing this year. Sebastian Castro is a very dangerous guy, as I mentioned earlier. He might get in that backfield as well. Uh, so I think Iowa has not given up a lot of the deep passes this year. I think the safeties, Xavier Wampa, Quinn Schulte, have been very disciplined 
in that area this year. I think Iowa's cornerbacks, they feel good enough. And I think Iowa can almost live with death by a thousand paper cuts than to give up, you know, a big passing play. And that's kind of the case they've been all year. So I'm keeping a very close eye on Nick Jackson. I'm keeping a very close eye on Sebastian Castro. I think they're going to blitz whoever's at quarterback and Jay Lee's try to make, you know, get the early pressure on them to force them to make some mistakes. Because if Iowa gets up by eight or more, Jeremy, yeah. Iowa is 70 and two over the last, I think, what, six or seven seasons. I can't remember the exact time frame, but. You know, it, that's just the way Iowa is. They kind of slow chokehold you, and then you think you're back in the game, and then Iowa's defense finds a way uh, to come up with a stop. And that's just, again, I think it needs to be a 30 for 30 case study on how they've won this many games without competent offense. It really is incredible. Uh, but I think Iowa's could play a little bit more aggressive uh, this week. And as you mentioned, Caden Fagan, if I'm not mistaken, Iowa really wanted him badly as well. With his, I think Iowa wanted him more so at linebacker yeah. than a running back, and I think that was a big decision as well, a big factor. Uh, but, yeah, I think Iowa's going to be a little bit more aggressive, maybe throwing a cornerback blitz or two. Uh, but, again, Deshaun Lee hasn't seen significant action since the first couple weeks. He passed those tests of flying colors. Uh, but if I'm Brett Bielema, if I'm that offense, I kind of target the the younger secondary and just kind of make them make plays. What makes Phil Parker so good? It is a shock that he hasn't won a Broyles Award, by the way. I think the consistency. I mean, Iowa doesn't do anything over the top, and he's so – Interesting in the way he recruits and the way he develops because I, I remember talking to parents, talking to some recruits about when Phil goes to their house, he'll literally give them a big questionnaire about, okay, how many yards is it from, you know, the middle of the field to the sideline, sideline to sideline. And he like measures just the, the geometry of certain angles because I think Phil is so good at teaching when to take appropriate risks and how to take the right angles. And I think in reading the body language, I think those are the three things that really stick out to me about his game. And yes, of course, the, you know, everybody lo- talks about the linebacker play that they get from Phil Parker. Seth Wallace, I think, is a huge uh, part of that as well. I'm surprised Seth Wallace hasn't left Iowa for a defensive coordinator job, to be quite frank with you. Uh, but I think Phil Parker, just his, his, his consistency and not doing t- over the top too much, because I think defenses try to over adjust nowadays, especially with the air of the spread offenses. And they take way too many chances in island coverage. And I think Iowa's safeties usually play back. Iowa's, you know, plays a lot of quarters. They'll play a lot of cover two, cover three. And they'll frustrate opposing quarterbacks because they want to be able to take those chances. But Iowa's so disciplined in that. And a lot of Iowa's turnovers are a result of a quarterback trying to force a play he probably shouldn't force. Uh, So I think he's just so good at teaching the fundamentals of the game and getting his players to fully buy into that to maximize their potential. Um, and I think he's also very good at recruiting guys who aren't about themselves. I mean, especially on defense, you know, there's a lot of guys that want to be the guy. The two cockiest positions, in my opinion, are wide receiver and quarterback on the football field. And I think he's done a very good job about getting the right kind of guys uh, that buy into his system. So I, I think it's a combination of just the teaching aspect, the consistency, and recruiting the right kind of guys that fit his system. Okay, let's dive into this offense. David I, I figured they couldn't get any worse well they haven't gotten worse but they haven't gotten better 123rd in the country last year in scoring offense 123rd this year in scoring offense so outside of injuries wh- why has this not gone well and why is Brian Ferentz not back according to Beth Gates yeah I know and I think too like of course the injuries play a part but I also think Kirk Ferentz is overestimating how much of a factor it plays I think the system just does not work anymore um I think you know, I think Iowa has some receiver talent. I like Caleb Brown. I like Deontay Vines. I mean, they I'm not saying these guys are world beaters, but they should not be where they're at right now. 
And I think also, too, a big part of it, this goes back to even before Brian, I think Iowa's quarterback development's been really bad. I mean, you think about some of the best quarterbacks in the Kirk Ferentz era, it's either one-and-done guys or as the guy's sophomore season. Uh, Brad Banks, in my opinion, is the best quarterback in, you know, at least modern Iowa history. Drew Tate, his sophomore year was the best. Ricky Stanzi, his first year starting was the best. C.J. Beathard went 12-0 and as a regular season in his first season starting, like, Nate Stanley is pretty consistent for yeah. the most part, but he never got like the big win against Penn State, against Wisconsin, right? Um, Spencer Petras just kind of stay the stay the course. So I think Iowa's quarterback development's been a big part about why they haven't taken the next step forward. I think Iowa's running scheme just is kind of outdated at this point, especially if you can't get the ball on the perimeter. Um, so I think that's a big part of it. Like Iowa loves tight end you, and I think they need to embrace it because I don't think it's particularly close that they are tight end you. Maybe Dart Dame has a little bit of a say. But as part of the reason they're tight end you because they're in a, inability to use wide receivers, I think there's a legit case you could probably make for that. Right? I mean, the last Iowa wide receiver to catch a pass in the NFL before Amir Smith-Marset was Kevin Casper. I mean, that's a long time ago, Jeremy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think it's a combination of scheme. I think the play, I think Brian Ferentz is still a good developer of talent. I don't think that he's a good play caller either. I think his situational awareness is not good. Um, so I think, I think it's a variety of things. Lack of quarterback development, you know, an outdated scheme. I think they could still use the basic scheme, but they have to be able to make tweaks to it, at least to make it somewhat viable nowadays. And, uh, yeah, and the play calling. I, yeah. I'm very intrigued about who they get this next hire because I think there's two names I'd keep in mind. John Budmeyer is the reason why Cade McNamara is at Iowa. He's a Wisconsin quarterback coach. Same with Deacon Hill. I think it'd be a very underwhelming hire for Iowa fans because he's been on staff for two years but not in the coordinator role. Uh, but another name I'll tell people to keep an eye on, Paul Christ, I think is a very legit candidate. And he, you know, him and Kirk have a good relationship, runs a similar style there as well. Um, and his nephew is actually on Iowa staff as an offensive analyst as well. So it, it's going to be very, very interesting to kind of see what happens. But this Iowa offense, it, this is not like a one or two year bad thing. I think this has been going downhill. I, the COVID year, I don't count. I don't know why people still count COVID year as a real thing. Um, but this is offense been going downhill, I think, for the past four seasons. Yeah. All right, well, they might only have to score 15-plus points to win a game, right? That's that's the good news for Iowa's offense. And uh, we'll see with Illinois, but I, I just respect the heck out of that defense so much. So, I mean, they're coming off 22 points, and as you said, 400 yards against Rutgers, which is a better defense overall than Illinois. Shocked. Illinois, yeah. Shocked me they did that. Illinois got a strong front seven for the most part, but the secondary has huge issues. Yep. So wh- what do you see out of this offense? What are you expecting out of this offense against Illinois? I think they're going to throw everything against the wall. I think they're going to try to establish the run, obviously. I think they'll take a couple shots downfield. Um, but, you know, again, like they can't rely on Cooper DeGene to lock down half the field. They can't rely on Cooper DeGene to return the ball for 15 to 20 yards every time he gets a punt return, right? Um, they still have Torrey Taylor. I think Torrey Taylor is going to play a big part in this game. He only punted the ball three times last week, which is amazing. I mean, I, it kind of makes me think that he even know there was a game last week because he's been getting his quite a workout this season. Had a bad week the week before that in Wrigley. So I think Torrey Taylor is going to come out and have a huge game. And I think he's going to be responsible for at least some Iowa points. But at the same time, I think, you know, Caleb Brown's going to be a focal point of the offense. I think LaShawn Williams has had a really nice year. Uh, look for Jazzy and Patterson. I, I can't remember the last guy who runs as hard as Jazzy and Patterson alvin iowa back like he's not the biggest back in the world but he attacks every single opening 
with just sheer aggression and will not be afraid to go at, you know, Newton. He won't be afraid to go challenge a defensive lineman, even if he's in the gap. That's just the way he's wired. And I think if you're going to run Iowa's running style, you kind of have to have that mindset. Otherwise, you're going to be dancing around the backfield looking for a home run play. And I think that's been an issue for the past couple of years in Iowa's running game as well. Uh, so I think they're going to try to establish the run a little bit. I think they'll throw in a couple of trick plays. I don't know how many deep shots they'll try to take. Uh, but I also think Deacon Hill has a lot more confidence than he's had all season long. I mean, he had a really good second half. Threw a really bad pick to end the first half, but he threw eight straight completions before that, and I kind of saw the light come on with him. So I think in the second half, he said, yeah, I threw a pick, but it was clear that the offense was capable of working. And I think he did a much better job. I thought the offensive line did a really good job. I don't know how they're going to stack up against Newton because I don't know how many of Iowa's starting linemen are going to play in this game. I mean, Logan Jones is still questionable at center. Rusty Feth is not 100%. Mason Richmond probably will play, but he's not 100%. Like, the injuries are in every single position group. Um, so it will be interesting. I think they're going to try more so to establish the run. But I also think if they are going to beat Illinois, just given all these injuries, they're going to have – to get out of their comfort zone. They're going to have to take a couple chances downfield. Yeah. Um, and now how many of them are they going to take? I think that remains to be seen. But I think with senior day and everything else, I think it's definitely a motivated group, especially after what happened last year when, you know, they lost Nebraska. They could have clinched the Big Ten West in Kinnick Stadium. Now, look, that loss was probably a long time coming based on the offense. But, you know, Cooper Jean does get hurt. And we who knows what happens if he stays healthy. Uh, but I'm very, very intrigued about how Iowa comes out of this because if they come out really aggressive and they put points on the board early, uh, I think they're going to feel really, really confident for the rest of the game. If they go out there and get three and out and the defense gets worked a little bit, then I think my eyebrows are going to be raised a little bit more. Yeah, you know, the injuries and obviously the offense make me question can Illinois go in and, and win for the first time since Kirk Ferentz's first year. Illinois has not won at Iowa City since 19. 19- 99 seven straight losses there they went a long time without playing uh illinois and iowa but uh it's iowa man this is how they win man it's it's ugly it's it's not sexy but they win this is kind of what they do david again it it really is a case study it is incredible now they're just so against everything modern college football and i mean this from this sense like everybody loves sexy offense right nobody gets excited about great defenses nobody gets excited about the punter Iowa is just its own unique brand, and Iowans embrace it. And there's a lot of the country that absolutely hate it. And again, I cover the team. I forget how to write about offensive touchdowns every once in a while, uh, but they win. And at the end of the day, that's what Kirk Ferentz cares about. I've said this before too. Kirk Ferentz could drive a 1970s Corolla, right, across country with three tires, a broken windshield, no no headlights, and as long as he gets to the destination. He'll say, yeah, we made it. So he doesn't care how bad the journey is. If they get the win at the end of the day, that's all Kirk Ferentz really cares about. Yep, and he wins. Uh, he, ke- he keeps on doing it. And uh, if they win on Saturday against Illinois, they clinch a spot to the Big Ten championship game where they'll get Michigan or Ohio State. We'll see how that one goes for you, David. But uh, Whoever comes out of the Big Ten West, like it's just a sacrificial lamb, right? Like let's just be real about it. Just happy to be there. Just happy to be yep. there. David Eichel. I'll take a free trip to Indianapolis. Yeah. That's fine. Me too. Me too. David Eichel, <laughs> Hawkeye Insider. Appreciate the time. I'll see you in Iowa City on Saturday, man. Hey, take care, man. Thank you.
You've heard us talk about home field apparel since the start of the season. There are a lot of collegiate apparel brands out there, but we wanted to partner with home field because their designs are the best out there. Some of Illini Enquirer's favorites are the basketball ringer tee, the rose tee, and the 1980s long sleeve with the script Illini. It's great. Be sure to check out homefieldapparel.com, filter by Illinois, and see what we're talking about. And our listeners get an exclusive deal using code Illini23. Using that code Illini23 gets you 15% off your first order. We all know you're wearing Illini gear, so if you're in need of a refresh, we really think that you should check out Home Field Apparel, which has the best designs, and these shirts, guys, are really comfortable. Their designs are super unique, and a lot of thought goes into each concept. There's really nothing else on the market like what Home Field is doing. You can find them at homefieldapparel.com and use code Illini23 for 15% off your first order at homefieldapparel.com. This episode of the Illini Enquirer podcast is presented by Underdog Sports. We see a lot of you are downloading Underdog Sports, using the promo code, and having fun, which we love to see. If you haven't already checked out Underdog Sports, be sure to do so. It's super easy to use. You go on the app, go pick whether favorite players will have a higher or lower stat total than what is listed. For example, Travis Kelsey, he's very popular these days. If his number is set at 50 receiving yards, and you know Taylor Swift is in the house, you may feel confident he's going to go way higher than the number. Do that with two to five different players and you're in business if you go five for five you can 20x your money so sign up today with promo code Illini and get your first deposit doubled up to $100 visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the app store and don't forget to register with promo code Illini to get your first deposit doubled up to $100 there are a lot of fantasy companies out there but we decided to partner with underdog because it's the easiest place to play fantasy sports it's also the fastest growing fantasy app in the industry you must be 18 or older and present in a state where Underdog Fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play? Call 1-800-522-4700 or visit www.ncpgambling.org. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, time to talk to the Illini side of this Illinois at Iowa matchup. The Illini with three wins in their last four games, but Iowa pretty hot as well as they're leading the Big Ten West. Somebody's got to. Uh, at five and two in the Big Ten, they can wrap up. The West Division spot in the Big Ten Championship. The last one. So, uh, Joey, should we start this off by just pouring one out for the Big Ten West? I'm going to miss you, old buddy. Uh, Only two more left. Two more Big Ten West games left. Like, I know Big Ten West teams are still going to play each other next year. It just won't be the same. It'll just be like, oh, that was just kind of an ugly Big Ten game instead of the beauty of it being a fun Big Ten West game. Yeah, and they made sure some of them pushed for the uh, Big Ten West protected rivalry so they could play each other a little bit more. I think Minnesota's got two. Uh, Iowa's got three. They're like, can we have four? Iowa's got a rivalry with everybody. <laughs> they they could. I'm surprised they didn't go in there like, All right, yeah, we don't care for them. Let's just put this on here. Let's, we'd like to protect six rivalry games if we could. Yeah, Illinois, Purdue, and Northwestern are like, please keep us together. <laughs> we we want to <laughs> stay together with this. But uh, I'm going to miss it. I know it's not great football, but it's its own brand. Gives you something to play for. It's kind of the the JV tournament uh, of of the Big Ten. Certainly has been with the Big Ten West not winning one. But a big matchup because Illinois coming on late here, Joey, with two 
Uh, actually, three last-minute wins. I mean, four of the Illini's five wins came in the last minute or in overtime this season. Uh, so if they find a way to, to compete in games, they usually find a way to pull them out, except for against Wisconsin. But uh, they can keep their Big Ten West uh, title hopes alive if, if they win this one. And then Iowa, of course, uh, can win it outright. So we thought this would be a meaningful game. It's just how we got here has been interesting. Yeah, the friends were, I guess, what is it? The friends are what we made along the way or whatever that <laughs> reference is. I'm not smart enough to do that. Yeah, look, I mean, we, we thought this was going to be an important game for the Big Ten West standings coming into the season. Um, and then probably late September, early October, we thought, mm, maybe not. Yeah. Uh, but it, it came back around. It's, it's what the Big Ten West allows you to do. But it's not easy for Illinois to go to Iowa City and win. They haven't done so since, I think it was – back-to-back in 99 and 2000. That's a, that has been a tough place for Illinois football, and a lot of that has to do with, one, where Illinois football has been, not exactly a bragging point for the better part of 20 years, where Iowa football has been, very much so a bragging point for the last 20 years. All right, Joe, we got our six-pack of questions here going into the Iowa game. We'll get to our picks to click as well. You and I split, I believe, so we hit on a couple last week. But uh, let's get to the number one question coming into this game. What do you expect to happen at quarterback for Illinois on Saturday? Brett Bielma has been pretty coy. There was some reporting Wednesday kind of that was happening, and we didn't write a story about Altmaier starting because uh, it didn't seem that clear. You asked Brett Bielma directly as we record this Thursday. You asked him today. Uh, what would you make of it? Uh, he's not going to tell us. He's not. That, that's why I don't mean to, to go in on this, but on Wednesday whenever he – tweet and headline came out that, that Luke Altmaier was going to start. I didn't believe it because that fits none of what Brett Bielma has done about injuries. He, he's more upfront, I think, than some coaches about injuries. To give him credit where it's, it's due, he really truly is. But when it's a starting quarterback and a chance to create confusion in an important game, that doesn't fit anything he's done to come out on Wednesday on a national radio show and to say, alright, well, you know, since yeah, so nicely here it is. Like, that's just not and that's not exclusive to Brett Bielman. No college coach is going to do that. Uh, maybe college, like men's basketball coaches are a little bit more, eh, whatever. But they're football, not as paranoid. Uh, they're not as paranoid. Football in particular is paranoid. So no, I didn't didn't buy it. Brett Bielman today said we pretty much known since Sunday who our starter was going to be. They conveyed that message. He also earlier in the press conference said Luke Altmaier was cleared on Tuesday. So. I mean, you can do the math now. I think there's some anticipation that Luke was going to get cleared. Like, you could make that argument that on Sunday you thought, okay, he's going to get cleared. But, like, you got a guy who threw for 507 yards. It's hard to, to turn away from the hot hand. And, and things are pretty hot right now for John Paddock. And let's be honest. Part of the reason we didn't go with that report is that that word was a little – that that quote he gave – Sirius XM was a little bit of a jumbled mess and it left him some outs uh, in there as well and and as I agree with you he's just not gonna show his hand against Iowa because he's gonna force him to prepare for both I think Iowa would be smart to do that no matter what Bielma said but you got to force him to do both just to waste a little bit of their time right And, and have some sort of surprise coming into this game but you said it like part of the reason we didn't run with this because you know what we hear out, out of the program like what what comes out of here like John Paddock just ran for or just threw for 507 yards. He just led him to a, a come from behind win against Minnesota. This team believes in John Paddock. Not to say that it doesn't Luke Altmaier, but if they knew who their starting quarterback was going to be on Sunday, and Luke Altmaier was not cleared until Tuesday, I would say the plan most likely was John Paddock to be the starting quarterback. 
And I would imagine he, they went into the week, said that. Luke Altmaier was on with the drive. He said, hey, I couldn't blame him if they would go with, with John Pack the way he is playing right now. So I would be mildly surprised, kind of really surprised, if it was not John Paddock. And to be honest with you, I think it's the best thing for Illinois, and I think it's the best thing for Luke Altmaier. I, I think with the way Paddock has played, like this isn't a guy who would lose the starting spot because the backup came in and game managed his way to to a win because they won it like they won against Iowa last year nine to six right yes. like that doesn't that doesn't lead to a quarterback change no like this, this is not like yeah if Art Sikowski after that game is like hey Art won the game against Iowa so he's got to start well we watched that game like Art kudos to him uh did not perform all that well and almost lost it on a fumble but this is a guy that has just put together a historic heater and yes I know it's against Indiana's defense that was awful there's a lot of open throws that John Paddock, if he starts, is not going to have against Iowa, even without Cooper DeGene. But this team saw it. The coaches saw it. You got to ride this. And you got to have Luke Altmaier ready. And that's the most important thing is John Paddock's now going against one of the best defenses in the country. I do not expect him to throw for 400 yards. I did not expect him to throw for 300 last week, and look what he did. But there could be a coming down to earth moment and Luke Altmaier has to be ready because he's got the arm, he's got the talent, he's shown he can win games like this. Uh, so that's what I think is going to happen. I think John Paddock most likely is going to start this game and Luke Altmaier is going to be told, be ready because we might need you at some point. Yeah, I think it's a lot easier. And I, as you were talking, I was trying to figure out the best way to explain myself. And I still don't know that I landed on it. So bail me out here as I will certainly need bailed out. I think it's a lot easier to start with John Paddock, start with the hot hand. And if the first half, is rough and you're you're just not feel like you feel like the magic wore off you go to luke altmeyer and say hey all right you know it's not probably the ideal circumstance to come in at a half against this defense but let's see what you got whereas the other way around i, I think it's more clunky to it, go from paddock to altmeyer to paddock it's 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 very disjointed and, and doing it that way especially when you think paddock could give you the best chance to win is it's not fair to luke altmeyer i don't know if it's setting him up for success when you're coming off which he confirmed a concussion uh, you're coming off John Paddock playing as well and all the outside voices wanting John Paddock mostly to start. Uh, so he's got that going on in his mind no matter how much mentally tough Luke Allmeyer is. If he makes a mistake early on, he's like, oh gosh, I might lose my job again. And then uh, I, I just think against that Iowa defense, like, that's that's the game you're going to throw him back out there with. I, I just don't think it's it's all that fair to him. So Luke Altmaier's going to be the guy for, for the long term. He is shown enough that they are going to build an offense around him, and I think the offense is going to be the real strength of this team going into next year, especially if they can keep Isaiah Williams. Uh, so I, I think Luke Altmaier has, has done everything you, you've wanted to, to get through those growing pains, to show some toughness, to be able to run the ball like he is, to the downfield throws. There are certain things he's got to work on, but you got to ride John Paddock right now, and I expect them to do that. Yeah, and look, I would have to guess that Luke Altmaier probably understands. He said as much with the drive. Now, there's, no one's going to pretend like not starting a game is something you're going to backflip and cartwheel about. I would have to assume, as a competitor, Luke Altmaier wants to go out there and start. Yes. Otherwise, that's probably not a quality you're looking for in a quarterback. But I think you have to understand where you're at. And, and right now, you're a five-win team. There's still a, I'm going to call it a distant chance at the West. Um, but there's still a chance to go win the West. There's still a chance to get bowl eligibility going into that final game. Like, there's variables at play here. And and again, the, the biggest thing is John Paddock didn't just get you by. Yeah, and John Paddock probably gives you the best chance to win against this opponent, in my opinion, because Luke Altmaier holds onto the ball a little too long. Luke Altmaier can get a little loosey-goosey with the ball at times. I'm just talking about ball security in the pocket, right? Not, not just throwing interceptions. And this defense can be really confusing. 
John Paddock's ability to diagnose the defense pre-snap, to make decisions, to get it out quickly, uh, I, I think goes well against this team. Now, he's not going to have the wide open receivers he had against Indiana. That's not happening uh, against Iowa again, even without Cooper DeGene. So it's going to be a much bigger task for him. But I just I feel like John Paddock gives you the best chance against this team at this time. Yeah, I think that is very fair. And that that doesn't mean that John Paddock gave you the best chance a month ago. Mm-hmm. That I mean, I mean, it's, it's kind of the, these things are looked at in segments, right? I mean, 12 segments is how you look at this. And right now, he probably does give you the best chance. All right, let's move on to number two. Caden Fagan sounds very doubtful uh, for this game. Joy, what does this mean for the Illini offense? Remember a week ago, we are like, all right, John Paddock can get by with Caden Fagan and Reggie Love. Uh, you, losing him, we've, we've talked so much over the course of the last month about his ability to fall forward, to move the chains, to to do to stay ahead of the chains, I think is probably a better way to put it. You, you're going to miss that if he can't go. Uh, he, he hasn't practiced this week. I would typically say by Thursday, if you're not practicing, that doesn't necessarily spell the best chance to go out there on Saturday. It's not the end-all, be-all. There's certainly this is probably enough evidence if we were to go back and look at everything Brett Bielma said on Thursday. You could probably figure out that he, you know, he's very doubtful for this. But Reggie Love is coming off of the best game he's had. He had a pretty good game against Northwestern last year in that finale. But one of the top two, three best games, probably two best games he's had. I thought at Illinois, his, he ran. Yeah, I thought it was probably his the best. best. I, I thought it was the his best. best. Yeah, he ran confidently. He cut. He cut. He did all those things. That's like, oh, this guy was out with an ankle injury. It didn't show. Right. That that wasn't clear. So. You need him. You need him to be, one, productive, obviously, against the Iowa defense that doesn't allow for much production to the running game. And you need him to just be able to go take handoffs because your backups are, are Nick Fidanzo and, as we covered last week, Ben Kloss and Christian Boback. Or Christian? Yeah. Matthew? Matthew. Christian. Matthew. Christian <laughs> Boback, Matthew's brother. The brother's Boback. Illinois. But you, you got to kind of get out of him what you got out of Caden Fagan against Minnesota and just that constant and you probably got to get creative too right with Isaiah Williams yeah um what I think this means is the offensive line has to play extremely well and and that's really difficult against this Iowa defensive front not only the defensive lineman I don't know like Joe Evans is a really good player um Logan Lee's a very good player it's more just a blue collar scrappy group strong group stout group but the linebackers are great so those guys do a really good job of leaving things open for Jay Higgins and Nick Jackson who are next level linebackers in in my opinion so that means the offensive line has to block well because Reggie Love I think he's better vision I think he's better quickness and obviously burst through the hole than Caden Fagan but Caden Fagan has a way of outrunning or out physicaling (laughs) that's a word bad blocking or or bad run blocking Reggie Love can't do that as much last week the Illini offensive line I thought was as good as they have been all season run blocking because Reggie Love only 70 of his 140 yards came after contact or or, yeah so he was barely touched like on that touchdown run wasn't touched and and that was good vision cut but Ashton Hollins blocked well on that one Uh, the offensive line blocked really well the offensive line has to create more for Reggie Love, but Reggie can take advantage of those with bigger runs, but on those short yardage, I get concerned. I think Barry Loney's going to have to get more creative on the short yardage situations, which Iowa's going to create third, a lot of third downs, right? Can I throw, if it's John Paddock, John Paddock, he have a little more uh, strength, I, I guess. I don't know if that's fair to say about Luke Altmaier. Definitely a stronger get... base. Stronger base on John Paddock, yes. 
might they get under center and, and do some more some more sneaks in those the short situation might that be something that that comes about uh if if john paddock who we expect to be the quarterback is a quarterback yeah on third and one sure but third and two third and three right that's right, right yeah, that, yeah. that's that's the difference for me so i think you're gonna have to get maybe a little bit more creative and paddock can move i, I think he can you know scramble and Maybe you can get him on the roll a little bit more, but uh, you're going to have to be, I mean, the margin for error against Iowa, it's going to be way bigger um, or way smaller than it was against uh, Indiana. That is for sure. So uh, they will miss him. I- I'm interested to see if Nick Fidanzo gets carries. I, I really am. Uh, or is Reggie Love going to get 70 snaps like uh, Caden Fagan got against Minnesota? What What's more likely to you, Nick Fidanzo getting two or three carries or Isaiah Williams getting two or three carries? Um, I do think Isaiah Williams is going to get involved kind of in the run game, whether it's a shovel pass or not. So I agree with you there. But I, they seemed ready to get Fidanzo the ball. And, you know, Reggie, if that ankle is good enough, maybe they don't. But I think they're going to give him an opportunity. It's just how many, I don't know. So I would probably go with Isaiah Williams more likely, yes. Can, can I give you the hot take here? The availability. Always love hot takes here. Always. I know you do. That's that's how you've built this thing is hot takes and just screaming and, and making your points that way. That's how that's how this business works, Joey. The more you scream, the more you give takes you don't believe in, the better it is. That's what I hear. Um, the, the availability, the status of Caden Fagan and Pat Bryant, who is expected to play, Brett Bielema said, is, more, is a bigger storyline this week than who plays quarterback for Illinois. Bryant and Fagan, you're talking about? Yeah, mm, that's not a bad take, um, because I, I think both these quarterbacks are capable. I think both that's these right. quarterbacks. Can are, you believe yeah. that on November sixteenth? But if Pat Bryant's out, yeah, that's a big loss. Like if Pat Bryant were out, now Brett Bielma said today expects him to go. But you know, two weeks ago he said the same thing about Reggie Love. So mm-hmm. there's still a little bit of a question mark there. Caden Fagan, I do not expect to go. Um, right. So I I can get behind that kind of being even. Because I do think, obviously, it matters who plays quarterback and the decisions, and they touch the ball on every play. But I do think Pat Bryant, whether he's on that travel roster, whether he plays, is a monster story, yes. Because he's he's been really so good. He was great last week. We saw signs of it, right? Like I I said last week's podcast, I went back, and we we talked about how he was getting yak. Like those yards after catch, after the slant routes, has been huge. They've needed that quick hit action that they can just get get an easy pass. And John Paddock has done that really well the last couple of weeks. Luke Altmaier did too. So getting that RPO game involved a little bit, and Pat Bryant's just a huge part of it because he does get some separation. He's got the physicality, and he's got the hands to do it. Um, this week he's probably got to win some more 50-50 balls. But going up against the zone, it's about finding that space in the zone, and Illinois did it really well against Indiana, and Bryant being a big part of that. Yeah, it's again. Brett Bielema anticipates he'll go. I I feel like he did leave a little bit of a window. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. His, his availability. I think we have to give Ashton Hollins his credit. We talked about him after the game. I thought he was impressive in the snaps that he made, the catches that he made, especially given where he's at developmentally. You and I have long been on the. You, you definitely longer than I have. The hey, this guy is super interesting. Train for Pat. Intrigues the Ashton hell out. Yeah, just the combination of he's six five. Like he's a legit six five, uh, and he's added. We talked to him this week. He is exceptionally long, like just freakishly long. Yeah. So you see what Donovan McCauley's doing now. McCauley's two hundred pounds. Uh, Ashton's like one hundred ninety now, I think he said. But he's one of the fastest wide receivers they got. Like he's a long strider, but you get him in space. That's why I thought this year we mentioned in the preview, like, can he be Deuce Span? Can he have this small amount of plays 
where you see him kind of get involved. And he had that one long wheel route early in the season. Um, but he, he was, that block he put on Aaron Casey on Reggie Love's touchdown run was was legit. Like going back and watching the film, that was one of the plays that really stuck out that I didn't see live. So uh, kudos for him for being able to do that. They've expanded the playbook for him, and, and he's responded. All, right, All that being said, those are the three top receivers for a reason, right? Yes. Pat Bryant's a huge part of this offense, and his availability is important. He's number five right now in the Big Ten in receiving yards? Quietly, very quietly, yes. Yeah, 131-yard game in, what, two and a half quarters. We'll do that for you. <laughs> number three, how does Illinois address its issues in the secondary, Joey? Because, boy, there are plenty of them. Man, that's the, – the, the big question I know that we've heard all week is – do they go man? Do they go zone? That's been a question all year. I still think they're a more comfortable team in man coverage. You go man against this Iowa team, let me tell you. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't feel so lame. Like, is there a big sweeping do X, Y, or Z? Just play better. Play better football. Communicate better. If you're Aaron Henry, make sure your calls are getting in clearly and in a way that, like, your playbook, your calls are, are fitting who you have out there. And maybe that's younger. I'll get into that in our pick to click, but maybe that's a younger player. But you just be be better. Play better yeah. football. Like I know you see Matt Krasetich make one good play, and you're like, okay, play him. And, boy, he, that interception was everything I've wanted out of the free safety this year that Illinois has not gotten. Now I will I say – change my pick to click. No, I'm not I'm not taking him. <laughs> um, but the rest of the Krasetich – I mean, Miles Scott went back in the game for a reason, right? Um, yeah. And Miles Scott had a bad game. That was probably his worst game of the year – both in coverage bus and run, uh, and tackling. Uh, missed a couple tackles. So he really struggled. Nakario Harper struggled the week before against Minnesota. Clayton Bush is the best safety on this team right now. Uh, corner, Taz Nicholson, terrible game. Terrible game. But, you know, the stuff with Taz, like, it didn't bother me that Donovan McCulley just physically beat him. Like, th- those aren't the problems. It's the penalties. It's the pass interference calls. It's the, obviously, spit, whether he did or not. Like, those things can't happen. Like Xavier Scott battled against McCauley. Like, and McCauley won. And Soresby, look out for Soresby right now. Like, he's playing extremely well, made some great throws. Those don't bother me when you just get beat by a 6'5 receiver and a quarterback making throws. It, it's the coverage bust the last two weeks that we hadn't seen a lot throughout the season. Despite a lack of playmaking, the coverage busts are, are really concerning for a group that now has a bunch of experience. We've seen Zach Toby. I don't know. I think Miles Scott's going to start again this game. I don't see Resetich starting quite yet. But I do think there's a there should be a short leash for these guys. We see Solo Turner come in last week. I don't know if it was great, but we saw him come a little bit in that dime package. So I'll give this. Aaron Henry's switching things up defensively, switching things up schematically, personnel-wise. Against Iowa, you get a little bit of a break. But Caleb Brown's a talented player, former top 100 prospect. He's quick. you got to be disciplined because – they keep running the ball, keep running the ball, and then they'll go play action, and maybe they get you at their tight ends. Despite having two injuries to the top tight ends, still can be playmakers. Um, so you just need reliability. Clayton Bush, Xavier Scott, feel like the guys that are giving me reliability right now. Need to find the other guys that will do that. Yeah, I agree. And, again, I, we mentioned this after the Indiana game. Maybe it helps that you're going against an Iowa team that just doesn't throw the ball very well. Like maybe that helps, or maybe you look really, really silly come some Saturday night when an Iowa team that doesn't throw the ball very well throws it around on you. Like you can't have that. That is the last thing. Be very, very. If if Iowa comes in and runs all over Illinois, and they move people, and then that's how they they win this. You got to kind of tip your hat and say, you know, a what what needs to be cleaned up. But that's what Iowa does. If Iowa comes in and goes 
you know, throws it for 250, 300 yards on you, that is like very, very concerning because that would put you at some pretty real risk to not find that sixth win because I don't, don't know that Northwestern would have any less success if your secondary is in that kind of disarray. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are, number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen. Hello everyone, it's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search... The rest is football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meats. All right, this is bummer of news. Number four, what is the impact of Iowa star cornerback Cooper DeGene not playing in this game? I say bummer of news just for, for football in general because Cooper's an amazing player, great story. But uh, for Illinois, this is obviously a positive. And to be honest with you, Joey, once this news came down, I started reconsidering my prediction. And uh, people can find out what our predictions were at, on a preview and picks there. But this is massive not only for their defense, where Cooper DeGene is a, a shutdown corner who, if he gets his hands on the ball in the interception, could take it all the way. This is huge for their offense because he's one of their best playmakers as a punt returner. They've gotten him involved with the offense. No big plays there yet, but he is one of their top playmakers. And now you take him off the field. I know they have some good DBs there, but... You take him off the field, Isaiah Williams gets open a little bit more. Pat Bryant, if he's healthy, gets open a little bit more. And then a punt returner, I'm not as concerned that that guy's going to house it every time. Um, so I, I think this could have a huge impact on the game. This guy's a potential first-round draft pick. Yeah, it, look, from a football standpoint, that sucks. That, that's, you want to see this kid play football because he's, he's electric. I know Illinois fans are going to roll their eyes here on that, but he, he is such an electric player. Listen, we can appreciate return, good football players. <laughs> yeah, you should should appreciate good football players. Um, defensively, that's huge, right? For every reason you mentioned, uh, Isaiah Williams is kind of on one right now, and John Paddock's a big reason for that too. Not having Cooper DeGene out there will just inherently make life a lot easier for in the same way that the first half against Minnesota – Life was a lot easier for Minnesota when Johnny Newton wasn't playing football. Yes. When a first-rounder is not out there, life is easier for the opposing side of the ball. Punt return is huge to me. It's huge to me because Illinois special teams, they rank seventh per PFF uh, in terms of their, their grade, but they have been very inconsistent. Robbie Disher told me that, that their consistency has been a problem. You have a, an inconsistent day covering punts against Cooper DeGene, you're down. Like, you are down. That – what do you I'm like again? I don't even know what you would do with him. Do you try to do you change up what you do to try to not give him even the slightest window of opportunity to return? Like that is there, there's so much attention that's going to be paid to the defensive side of the ball. All that's justified because he's he's probably a first round draft pick. Special teams is a huge, huge, huge storyline because when Illinois is good, it's good, and when it's bad, Cooper DeGene scores seven points and puts him in position to yeah. seven or three more. Yeah, he's a he's a phenomenal player. Um, so I you made the great comp there with with Johnny Newton. Like Johnny Newton's out for a game, 
Now he's in the middle of the defense, so it's harder to ignore him. You can just not throw at Cooper DeGene, but against a team that throws the ball well. Like, Illinois is a really good passing offense right now, whether it's John Paddock or Luke Altmaier, right? Like, I wrote this in Iowa fans <laughs> thought it was a low bar, but it's true. Illinois probably has the best quarterback situation right now in the Big Ten West. Low bar, I know. But also, maybe the best wide receiver crew in the Big Ten West. It's certainly the best passing offense in the Big Ten West right now. Purdue's got moments, but they're inconsistent. Um, so, that's I just think it has a huge impact on the game. And, and Iowa's special teams is such a big advantage, but now that changes just a little bit. All right, let's move on. Number five, what gives you most confidence against Iowa, Joey, for Illinois? The backup walk-on quarterback who's on a heater of his life right now? I, I don't know what you – I've said offensive line every week, so I'm not going to go back to that well. This, you can't ignore the, the heater that he's on, that John Paddock's on. It, it's – you and I were talking about it. you've covered Illinois much longer than I have, Jeremy. You don't see this. This doesn't this isn't one of those once every four or five years somebody comes in and gets crazy hot and does this. Like this is this is pretty freaking remarkable what he's able to do. Will that carry over? No. I didn't think it would against Indiana, to be honest with you. I thought that had a lot of crash landing potential where he comes out and that that beautiful three pass moment that he had in Minneapolis gets washed away by by a tough game against the Hoosiers, and that didn't happen. So I guess, I don't know, the best way to put it, too long, didn't read. We're at the point that until he doesn't perform, like, he should give you confidence because he's playing out of his mind. Yeah. I guess it's that, I mean, Iowa's offense exploded last week against a good Rutgers defense for 22 points, right? Like, that is an outlier right now. Deacon Hill passed for 200 yards. I think it's the first time this year or one of the first times they passed for 200 yards. That offense is just not explosive. Now, Illinois has to tackle better than they have here recently. But Iowa this year has 14 plays of 30-plus yards. Illinois has 21. Uh, Illinois has 48 plays of 20-plus yards. Iowa has 28. So just a big play potential. Like This Illinois can get chunks. They can get in field goal range. They can put points on the board against most teams here recently, the way they've played. Um, Iowa's defense, of course, is a lot different, but it's just that Iowa's probably not going to run away from Illinois. Now, if they get an early lead, Joey, they can just milk this thing away, run the ball, try to force you into another mistake and and bury you. That's kind of what they did with Rutgers. But this game is never probably going to be two possessions down, right? Like You're you're always going to be in striking distance and – now, one thing we've seen from Illinois is they're going to keep games close, and usually they close well. Like usually, they get, if they give themselves a chance to win, they have an ability to close. Except against Wisconsin, where their defense just absolutely imploded. Um, I just think Iowa's offense, no matter what, you're probably going to stay in the game some way. And Illinois has shown here that they got resilience and they can find a way to win those games. Yeah, I'm with you. Go to the next one because that's going to transition perfectly. All right. What concerns you most about Iowa? If your secondary falls falls yes. down. That, that's my concern. If, if Iowa can go in there and throw the ball around and move the ball through the air, and now you have to worry about two parts of an offense that, let's just be honest, most teams don't have to really, really put a lot of worry into, it's a problem. Because then Iowa's going to be able to run. And if you can't stack the box, if you've got to get creative in different ways, like, that, that, that does not bode well for Illinois. Like, that secondary's got to play better. It just it has to. It has to play better than it did last week. Against an Indiana offense, that's playing better. But come on. 
Like this isn't this isn't the best offense in the Big Ten. It's not the top five best offense in the Big Ten. Like that was a concerning performance that needs to be remedied very quickly. Yeah, it's it's discipline for me. Iowa's uh, an incredibly disciplined program. They average twenty six penalty yards per game. Illinois averages sixty eight. Right? They, they average seven penalties a game. Iowa's three or four, somewhere around there. Um, that can you can't give this offense more opportunities to possess the ball, to hold on to the ball, um, or to get them into their own field goal territory, or, or give them a red zone opportunity. You can't give that. You can't let yourself beat yourself. Like you can't beat yourself because Iowa's hard enough to beat. And um, the other thing with Iowa is, can Illinois run the ball? If Caden Fagan can't go, can they run the ball against this Iowa mm-hmm. team? Uh, that that's a big concern for me. And if you get in a third and long. I worry for this offensive line because while they have played better, uh, it's because Illinois has been able to run the ball, set up some third and short. So uh, this Iowa team, disciplined, stout, might be boring, but they they know how to get in the mud and win these games. Last year, Illinois knew how to do that. They're not as good at that this year, of of winning ugly, grittying it up, um, but they do have enough of an explosive offense that they can give themselves a chance. But – you can't let Iowa dictate this game. And I think it's going to be important for Illinois to, to get an early lead uh, so they can gain some confidence and, and force Iowa maybe to do some things they don't want to do. Yeah, the other thing that concerns me about running is if, if Caden Fagan can't go, which is what you and I expect, and you go with John Paddock, that's your two best rushers in the last month and a half yeah. who aren't going to be out on the field. Which is why if like, you get down 10 nothing at halftime and you're not running the football, is Luke Altmaier ready? <laughs> just to just to give you another threat, because John can move. We, we see that he's a decent athlete, but it's more like Tommy DeVito. Yeah, it's more like Tommy DeVito. Like Luke Altmyers, I mean, run for 400 yards, uh, take out the sacks, it's down to 280, but uh, he's a dynamic runner. So I agree with you, Joey. We're not going to get your sack to rushing yards ramp? No. No. It is stupid. I hate Counting sack. Yes. Against Russian Reds is dumb. It took me, dumb. Yeah, it took me a moment to figure out what sorry, I was saying. Sorry. Uh, but yes, I, I hate that they take out a quarterback's rushing yards on sacks. It makes no sense. Just that's team offense. Take it out of there. Take it out of passing offenses. Team passing offense if you want. Makes no sense. All right. Picks to click. We did pretty well on these last week, Joe. I, I don't feel like I did. Yeah, you picked Caden. He got hurt. I got to say it. I nailed mine. Pat Bryant. No big deal. Uh, but defense, you picked Seth Coleman. He had a sack. I had Xavier Scott. Uh, I picked a secondary guy. I did not win. Yeah, that. <laughs> we, we did. We did split. This is let it be known. It's the first time. It's the eleventh game. Jeremy's admitted to losing a pick to click. What a what a world. I can admit to losing that one, John. All right, uh, who do you got? Offense, pick to click. Mm, tip Ryman. Let's feel like a Tip Ryman. I don't know. I want to just say John Paddock, but I feel like I can't make this the John Paddock podcast, and there's still a little volatility there. Um, yeah, I'm just going with Tip Ryman. It feels like Brett Bielema goes in to, to tight end you, and that they can be called that as much as they want because oh. they turn out some absolute, very, very rich human beings at tight end. Well, I'm trying to think all the Iowa tight ends. I mean, obviously Kittle, um, Hawkinson, Hawkinson, Fant. Fant. They got more in there, though. It seems like every time I open Twitter, another one's getting paid. Another tight end from Iowa is getting paid. It's unbelievable. Uh, obviously, the guy who just got drafted, Laporta. <laughs> it's... it's crazy. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. So it feels 
Like with, with all the attention that's obviously going to be on the three wide receivers, and you know, if the to a degree Reggie Love feels like Tip Ryman could be a guy to go in there, get a touchdown, maybe in the red zone, maybe get loose a little bit. I don't. I mean, I think I would consider myself winning to, if he had like fifty yards receiving and a touchdown. If he got a touchdown, you're winning. Okay. Because uh, right. Iowa has right. Iowa has given up eight touchdowns in seven Big Ten games, so that that is what you're going up against. Well, I'm to, that's why I'm trying to make this without the touchdown caveat, which I'd say 50 yards would, would yeah. I would feel good about that. If you got 40, 50 yards, if you got 40 yards, you'd be in the conversation. Um, this is we're not picking Isaiah Williams. We cannot allow that. Uh, I will not go back to back with Pat Bryant, given that we're a little bit in doubt. I think they're really going to struggle to run the ball. I'm riding the hot hand, Joey. I'm going to make this the John Paddock podcast. So I'm not only calling that he starts, I'm calling that he makes a, has a big game, or at least in relative terms of, of Iowa. So if he leads him to a win and he, if he plays well, I would think I would win this one. So I feel bad taking John Paddock, but how can I not right now? It's a great call. It's such <laughs> a good call. He, it's Dude, he's – It's unlike anything I've ever seen. Unlike it's anything I have ever – like Riley O'Toole, the, the, what he gave that team in, late in that season to lead him back to a bowl game. Uh, Kirby Joseph, you know, that coming out of nowhere was amazing. Whitney Merciless' entire season in 2011. But the backup, walk-on – I know it's kind of a caveat, walk-on quarterback with him, but for him to do what he's done the last two, I've never seen anything like it. It's an amazing no, – he, he's pretty self-aware, but I would love to read his mind on like December 16th or something. Um, you know, we'll see what happens with the bowl game. Like once he gets a little time removed from this to what this was like, because this is insane, insanity to watch. All right. Defensive pick to click. Who you got? You want to go first on this one? I will. Um, gotta stop the run. Gotta stop the All run. Right. So do I go, this is the non Johnny Newton category. Just to remind Correct. people. Correct. I can go for like a Denzel Daxon nose guard. <laughs> One tackle that has a great game. Um, no, I got to go linebacker or Clayton mm-hmm. Bush, who has played extremely well. His third down stops have been massive. He's going to be in the box a lot. But I'm going to go with Dylan Rosiak. I'm, I'm going to go back to him. I thought he had really- I knew I wanted to go first. <laughs> Do you want him? I'll, get, no, I'll give no, him to no, you. No, no. Uh, Dylan Rosiak, I'll go with. I thought he ended the game extremely well against Indiana, made some big plays, and they're going to need him to tackle extremely well, make some plays at or behind the line of scrimmage, maybe force a fumble. Maybe maybe do that Jake Hansen thing and turn this game. So, Dylan Rosiak. I did want to take Dylan Rosiak. Um, this is only after I wanted to take Mac Resetich. And then I – that, That's go more story than, than probably reality at this moment. It wouldn't surprise me to see him get a, a decent amount of snaps if Miles Scott comes in and, and struggles. But it's got to be I – mean, you're right. The, the options you named, a linebacker, Clayton Bush. Clayton Bush has – while John Paddock's emerged and played at, at a different level, Clayton Bush has been a really important reemergence for this Illinois defense. You mentioned the, the third down stops. Nicario Harper just – he kind of had that stretch where you're like, oh, mm-hmm. all right. And then it was the the lack of communication, the breakdowns, all those things. Clayton Bush has been a little bit of a stabilizer back there. I'm going to go with him. He probably got to get a tackle and a half for a loss. You got to go in there and, and make sure, you know, if you're on the tight ends, make sure they don't they don't get loose because they can be a problem. We've seen it. We just talked about it forever. The Iowa tight ends. They've always got, they've got a hundred more. 
That's high. There's a hundred more tight ends. I know they've been you know, disappointingly hurt at that position yeah. this season. They, they uh, are a banged up team. They are. They are. They are. They lost their starting quarterback. Lost their top two tight ends. I mean, Luke Lachey. I think would have been a second or third round pick. Maybe still will with his season ending injury. But uh, Eric All looked fantastic. I mean, our boy David Eichel was pumping him up all year and i'm like eh, let's let's see he was great he had three touchdowns for them in what like six games and then he goes down with uh, a season-ending injury uh and then their offensive line has been banged up and now cooper DeGene is out so it, it's really amazing that it says something about the Kate west McNamara. yeah it says something about the west but five and two it's it's pretty amazing that they're sitting there at eight and two five and two in the big ten yeah i'm with you i'll take Clayton Bush on defense and whoever it is that I said, Tip Ryman on offense. All right, before we get out of here, we got to talk about it. Um, Big Ten West is still there, as just as we talked about preseason. Like, they're going to have a chance in the final two weeks at the Big Ten West. That was kind of my take. Uh, and they do because the Big Ten West is just a muddled mess, but you got to win this one. That's the number one thing they have to do. Have to beat Iowa, keep this thing open. And then Nebraska needs to beat Iowa next week, but they need to lose to Wisconsin this week. So Illinois needs to win this week and Nebraska to lose to Wisconsin. If those things happen, Illinois enters week 13 with a chance to win the Big Ten West. And then they need to beat Northwestern and Minnesota needs to beat Wisconsin. We got all of that? <laughs> I thought Nebraska, Iowa had to lose next week too, right? Yes, Iowa needs to lose. Yeah, um, right. yeah Iowa needs to lose we out. Need to Illinois lose to needs to win out. Nebraska needs to lose to Wisconsin this week, Minnesota. But this week, you need to beat Iowa, and you need Nebraska to lose to Wisconsin. It's basketball season, so the equivalent of this is like your guard is trapped somewhere in the corner with like eight seconds left on the shot clock, and he just overhead heaves it to somebody in the other corner, and he banks in a three with, with no time left on the shot clock, and everyone makes a joke, oh, just how they drew it up. That's Illinois right now in the West. Wouldn't it be something if they lose the Big Ten West last year and win it this year? <laughs> yeah. Win it this year? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Can you outside of just a massive, you know, losing all those NFL both draft picks and players, and then starting one and whatever, four in the Big Ten, whatever the month of October was. That was, oh my goodness, whatever that was, whatever that is. Yeah, we we buried these Big Ten West hopes sometime. And like West Lafayette, yeah, yeah, we certainly <laughs> did that. Nebraska too. Like, we, we, like then, then Nebraska, like Nebraska, I almost buried the season, uh, but I knew there was too many games left. I've done this for too long. I knew there were too many games left that you could still make a bowl game. You could still do all this, but man, you win this week, bowl game happening, and you're probably getting more attractive to bowls uh, because your your team is is ending the season well. Uh, you got a fan base that's passionate that wants to go to these bowl games. Uh, but then you, you keep these Big Ten West hopes alive. We should talk about that because, I mean, I don't care about saying it. Our fear, just as people who cover this and, and travel to these things, is Detroit. Nothing against the great city of Detroit. I don't want to spend Christmas away from my family in Detroit. But I mean, it's drivable. We could go that day of. I mean, that's the thing with bull coverage. It's like it's, it's, it's as much about the days leading yeah. into it. It's a whole experience, right? But Would you rather go to Detroit or New York? Yep. New York's gonna be cold. The the point being, like, I, I think, I think you know, Detroit you look at, Detroit deserves a little more credit. It's bounced back, man. It's bounced back. From I don't care. About, it's not the city. It's the time. That, yeah. That's what it is to me. It's the time. Twenty six. Um, but but I think that to your point, you know, like we talked about Vegas as a potential landing spot for Illinois, probably a, a little further down the line in, in terms of dreaming. Glendale. But it, yeah, it's it's not 
too far down, you know that these that Illinois fans traditionally travel well. Yeah, that that is attractive for a bowl bid for for somebody picking Illinois. Those they, they travel well. To your point, last year they fell they fell into Tampa. Like they, they just they, they were struggled down the stretch mightily. This year they they've got a little something. So Detroit's very much on the table. But and again. No slight to Detroit. Don't well, and again, you're, you're talking. You're, you're talking about the difference in these. Like some of these Big Ten teams you're competing with with bowl slots. It's like, would they rather have Illinois or, no offense, Rutgers, Maryland, Northwestern, Northwestern? Uh, I think Purdue would travel well, um, but they mm-hmm. aren't going to make it, obviously. Um, but yeah, like those part, Illinois is more attractive, I think, to a lot of those bowl games. So, especially for Vegas, your Arizona. You got big alumni base that lives out west uh, with Illinois in Vegas and Arizona. Uh, I think Illinois could be more attractive than some of those East Coast teams. We're probably too far ahead of this because they still have to be still to either the Big Ten West leading Iowa or Northwestern out of Co- nowhere resurgent coach of Northwestern. Year. Big Ten Coach of the Year, David Braun. What what a no one saw that coming, and they're playing good offense. Oh, no. do you remember earlier in the year who was, was like UTEP? They were a dog at home and it's like oh my god this is what this is going to be credit i mean they they turned it man and it, it has been impressive to see all right here we go big weekend of illini sports got illinois basketball against valparaiso on friday night then joy wagner and i make our way to iowa for 230 kickoff on fs1 against iowa 230 uh and then we got uh illinois basketball against southern we'll leave Derek piper uh, to that one but uh joey looking forward to the trip I'll see you uh, on Friday night at Valpo, against Valpo. All right, man. Great stuff, as always, from Joey Wagner, and we appreciate the time from David Eicholt as well. Thank you for listening to the Online Choir Podcast. Give us a follow, rating, review, wherever you get your podcasts. Take out five, ten seconds to give that rating and review. We really appreciate that. And uh, give us a follow on our YouTube channel as well. Subscribe to us. Hit the notifications bell. Give us a like on those videos. We really appreciate that. And uh, as I teased in our previous podcast episode, we got a big deal coming for VIP members or current non-VIP members to become a VIP member. So be on the lookout for that as we have one of our best deals of the year for Black Friday. All right, everybody have a great day. Take care of each other. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Alana Inquirer podcast. Bye, everybody. docuseries on Paramount Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. She's a can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and fifteen thousand dollars a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire now streaming on Paramount Plus.